Well, hi, everybody. It is the last Tuesday episode um, of Artifice for this month, and it is our special one, the Hallowed Wide Song Diary series, which I've been loving doing. Um, but this episode is about split, of course. So like always, I'll just give some like a like a broad intro and then play the song and then talk more about the song. But before I do that, how about just like an intro on, you know, life stuff? How about we just like, how about we just like one direction chat for a second? I love the idea of talking with you in real time. Um, well, I just got home from therapy because it's Thursday and I go to therapy on Thursdays. Woo! And I'm feeling exhausted, like emotionally, physically, mentally exhausted, but also oddly, like a weird sense of satisfaction. I feel like lately, like I have been doing like a lot of internal work in the last year, you know, well, really in the last several years, like kind of since I started going to therapy in 2016, which was so long ago now, crazy, six years. That's how long I've been in therapy. Anyway, um, I feel like I have been making, like, I've been taking steps toward like a healthier, um, relationship with like others with my work with negative feedback with positive feedback etc etc I still struggle with those things you know the rejection that artists face and you know the rejection that everybody faces but the rejections that artists face is it's crazy it's really crazy I don't know how anybody is doing it I frequently don't know how I'm doing it um but also there's so much beauty. There's so much satisfaction. I've just been feeling like such a sense of pride about all the projects that I'm involved in and a lot of satisfaction about, you know, just really like genuinely how good it feels to like do the work. Um, you know, it just, it's great. It's a great feeling. So that's kind of where I am today. A bit of a mixed bag emotionally, but you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm having radical acceptance. I'm feeling, feeling into it. Um, anything in particular that I want to say? Oh, okay. Well, let's get into it. So the other main thing that I want to talk about is like part of part of this. So I'll just go for it. So, so <clears throat> if you're tuning in for the first time uh, for this uh, series, the first time in the series, if you're starting here, here's the basic gist of what's going on. I wrote a concept record called The Hallowed Wide. Um, I started writing it in June of 2020 when all my gigs got canceled. And, you know, in retrospect, I think a lot of this record is kind of a, a, a processing of a lot of the lessons that I feel like I had learned in the, you know, couple of years after my mom passed away. And, you know, just some of the things I've been discovering about people, you know, um, given all of the like the way that my work is set up, I, I interact with a lot of people. I know a lot of people and I interact kind of like deeply and intimately with like a lot of different people, which I think is, is kind of unique. Um, and so, yeah, this album is, is pretty personal in that way. And it's, it's an album with like a, a moral and kind of a call to action. Um, the hallowed wide is a, a metaphor for like the sacred distance between humans between individuals and I mean that I mean between individuals and also between like peoples between generations between people who live in different places in the world between people who have different backgrounds different genders different ethnicities etc um, and how vast that distance can seem and, you know, impenetrable, um, but how important it is to try and to keep trying. So that's what the hallowed wide is about. Um, but because, you know, I love like enchanting, lovely, whimsical things, um, the hallowed wide is also like an enchanted like canyon that we're crossing. So it's, it's a hero's journey, but it's also like, you know, a metaphor for something that I hope, you know, a journey that I hope each of us is, uh, embarking on, you know, again and again throughout our lives. So the Hallowed Wide is divided into four parts. <clears throat> I picture it as like a geographical terrain in the actual Hallowed Wide. Um, so if you want more information on that, like 
look up the fantasy map that I drew as a guide for the Hallowed Wine. It's pretty fun, pretty cool. And I tried to weave like little hints of like those kind of more um, like the geographical things like into the songs. Like the songs are pop songs and they can each stand alone. But if you're paying attention, you can really hear clues like of this kind of like other enchanted like narrative. So it's divided into four parts that is represented by a little spell. First descend, then divide, make it hallowed, make it wide. So the first three songs are about the choice to descend into the hallowed wide, the choice to um, begin to invest in another person, to try to understand them, to, um, you know, just get, get your mind around the problem. The second portion, then divide, is all about letting go of things that we really can't hold with us if we want to be able to really, you know, care for, understand, see, hold, behold um, others. So split is the last portion of that journey. So um, where we're coming from into split is Breaking Room. And Breaking Room is a song about um, kind of asking for patience while you root out um, a lot of these things that are kind of keeping you from being like a good partner, a good friend, a good parent, a good neighbor, you know, etc. Um, <clears throat> and so split is is the last piece. Um, and yeah, the kind of the kind of turning point in the record. So I think this is the point where I'm gonna stop, play the song, and then come back and tell you all about it. So here comes split. I can barely tell if I'm awake I'm not dreaming I can hardly think of what to say I'm not blinking I feel like a shell 
right. Oh, I love it so much. It's such a vibe. And I'm going to tell you all about the production too. But first, let's talk about the writing. Um, so when I was writing this, it was in the middle of the summer of 2020. Um, I had written about half of the record and I had about half left to go. I didn't write it chronologically. I skipped all around. In fact, I wrote like the last song of the record first, but I did write split kind of in the middle and I had the title first. So this has been a theme if you've been listening, but a lot of the songs, I kind of have a vague idea of the title. Like I had begun to map out this, you know, journey of the hallowed wide and kind of start to see it in different, um, like see it in these parts. Like I, I, I didn't quite name these things until later, but I was, I was, it was starting to kind of come to life. And, and I, I like the idea of like trying to stretch ourselves like across this space. Like when I was first conceptualizing of the album, like I thought, I thought about naming it like something to do with like elastic or like, I, like I, th- I thought about using like a, like a word like stretch in the title instead. Um, And when I was kind of brainstorming, like on those themes, I thought that like split should be an inevitable part of this process. Like we're trying so hard to stretch ourselves at some point, like there has to be, there has to be some things that just like cannot repair. Um, and I, and I, you know, I see that in like kind of an abundant way, but also, you know, of course with a lot of grief. So, so I had the, I had the title first, um, and I had some vague ideas about what I wanted the song to sound like. I had a a basic, like, you know, drum groove in mind. I had a, a basic tempo in mind. Um, and I knew that I wanted the harmonic rhythm. So for any listeners who aren't musicians, harmonic rhythm is, um, the, the term that we used to describe in music, like how often the chords change or like what's the actual rhythm of the chords. So lots of times you'll hear harmonic rhythms that are symmetrical. So it'll be like, you know, one chord that lasts a bar and you'll have like four chords and they're one measure each, or you have four chords and they're two measures each, or you have four chords and they're each half a measure. Um, and then sometimes you'll hear things that are kind of like short, short, long, or like long, short, short, and they still kind of are divisible by, you know, two and four in the cycle. Um, but I wanted this song to have a harmonic rhythm that was, um, like a little bit less stable, a little bit less steady. I didn't know what chords I wanted to use, but I, but I had that in mind. Like I wanted the harmonic rhythm to be a little bit more, um, like asymmetrical and, uh, like a little more chaotic, you know, and, and part of this is like, just, you know, when I was writing masks, which is my previous album, I was experimenting a lot with harmony and like non-traditional non-functional harmony. And I really wanted the hallowed wide as a project to stay much more diatonic, like much more in like one key. Um, so to find like, I'm part of this is just like, as a songwriter trying to find ways to stretch myself and to try to think of like what other things I can do with harmony besides like, you know, uh, doing like harmonic extensions and like non-diatonic non-functional harmonies. So all these harmonies are functional, but they're just like a little chaotic anyway. So I went, I set on a walk, like I, I went on a long walk just by myself. I didn't take bear. Um, it was during quarantine. So bear was at home with Andrew. And I thought like, I might be gone for like several hours. Like I'm just going to go out on a long walk. And I just, kind of was mulling over this song in my head and I almost always write sitting at the piano, but I just was like out walking and kind of thinking. And, um, I just like, by the time I got home, I feel like I had almost the entire chorus written. It just like kind of came to me really quickly. I kept like stopping and like writing little notes in my phone. And then by the time I was like getting close to home, I was like really hurrying. I was like, I gotta get home. I gotta like write this song. So I got the, I got the chorus down pretty quick. And then um, and then dug into the verses, but I just kind of wanted to give you that context. Um, in terms of like the, the broader story of the hallowed wide, um, I, I imagine that at this point in the story, we've, we've stumbled out of the forest clearing that I've named the breaking room, um, where we are, you know, having a little thrashy tantrum. Um, and we're stumbling out of the, out of the, um, the, the, this forest clearing, totally exhausted 
kind of collapsing, you know, at the edge of this river bank and thinking like, I'm already so tired. I don't see a way to cross this river. How can I keep going? How can I get to the other side? And <clears throat> that's all very dramatic in like a way that I hope you all think is really fun. It certainly seems pretty fun to me, but also like, this is what this feels like. Like if you're trying to really kind of make changes in yourself, um, trying to, you know, become a, a better person, um, a, a stronger person, a kinder person, uh, you're trying to have a paradigm shift. I mean, a paradigm shift feels like this, like exhausted surrender, like desperation and like, like a, like a divorce of your own soul, like something, you know, you can't go back from it. It's, it's irreparable. And a lot of times you need a paradigm shift or a worldview shift in order to, in order to, to be the kind of, you know, better person that you want to be. And, and I know that from experience, I'm not, I'm not that old and, you know, I have a limited perspective, but my perspective and my, my life experience has taught me that. And I've done it at least a few times. Um, these kind of like, you know, never going back paradigm shift kinds of, um, evolutions. So it was important to me to include this, this part of the story and it felt right to have it be right in the center. Um, of the album and of the story. And then the rest of the album is like recovery, like the rest. So next we do make it hallowed and then make it wide, which is the abundant, magical, glorious part of the album. So, so far the whole album has been pretty dark. I've, I've worked really hard to like, um, you know, make some of the songs brighter so that as you're listening through the whole record, it feels musically complete as well as narratively complete. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud of the way that that has kind of gone and has felt. And yeah, split is like the perfect kind of like reverent cathartic ending to that portion before we move into like dreamy high beauty. Okay. So I don't know. I sometimes when I do these, I have a strategy and I'm really just like, I'm really just thinking off the cuff right now. Hope that's okay with you guys. So I'm trying to decide if I should talk about the chorus or the verses first, but let's go in order because it really is a narrative. So <clears throat> um, with the verses, you know, it's almost written like two voices. So I, I tried to build this idea of this split kind of like write it from the beginning. So you know, the, the lead vocal says, I can barely tell if I'm awake. And then there's like a background vocal that kind of punctuates and interrupts and says, I'm not dreaming. I can barely tell if, if I'm awake, I'm not dreaming. I can hardly think of what to say. I'm not blinking. I feel like a shell or an echo wasting empty and hollow worn by all I didn't know, but now I know. Um, so melodically, I really like how this goes. I, I really tried to write those melodies as like very divorced from each other. They're almost in like different ranges. Um, yeah. And this, this idea of this kind of like internal battle is, um, kind of, uh, like anthropomorphized in the music in that way. And then in terms of like the meaning you know, I was thinking about a lot of things and really trying to create a feeling um, more than like an explicit story, but to also base it on like true kind of feelings that I've had. Um, and yeah, again, I think this is about this idea of being on the cusp of a, a perspective shift. Um, and everything can start feeling really sur very surreal and very like, I don't know what I, I don't know what to believe of my own thoughts. Um, I, I don't quite like recognize the world that I'm in. I can barely tell if I'm awake, but I'm not dreaming. Cause you know, I like, I like this. It feels a couple different ways, but I think that the main thing that I feel about it is like, you know, to be very, to be very clear, like I can barely tell if I'm awake, but what I know for sure is I'm not dreaming, which maybe implies like this kind of feels like a nightmare. Like it doesn't really feel real and it definitely doesn't feel beautiful. Um, I can hardly think of what to say. I'm not blinking, meaning like, I think, you know, I just, I wanted to illustrate this feeling of like confusion um, and, you know, feeling all at sea, but also feeling really focused. Like 
I'm really paying attention. I'm, I'm really thinking about it. And even still, I'm so confused. I feel like a shell or an echo wasting empty and hollow. Um, like who even am I? What is this? What is anything worn by everything I didn't know, but now I know. And that really is like what that kind of paradigm shift feels like. Um, you know, I mean, for those who are new, like I can be more explicit about this, you know, in my own life, I think one of these paradigm shifts was, um, like, this is the stuff that I wrote about in masks. So, you know, one of these things for me was realizing, like, like actually really realizing that my mom, that my mom had a personality disorder and she wasn't just like a little harsh. She was very abusive and she wasn't going to get better because, you know, a personality disorder doesn't have a cure. And that was something that was mind bending for me. It was something that like, it had always been there, but I wasn't ready to see it until I was, you know, 20, 28, 29. Um, I also, you know, I left the Mormon church and I try to be gentle about this because I know some of my listeners are, are current LDS. And the thing that I always say, and will keep saying is like, I think the, you know, toxicity of this structure, uh, manifests itself differently depending on the toxicity of your individual family. So some Mormonism, like some families, um, handle Mormonism, like, like a cult and some families handle Mormonism, like a branch of Christianity. And in my experience, it, it felt like leading a cult. <laughs> like it, it really, it was pretty dramatic. Um, so, I mean, think, I think those are the main two things and there, of course, are smaller ones. Like, I mean, well also huge, but in my own personal life, like reckoning with privilege, learning how to actually see that and really understand, um, those are paradigm shifts thinking about, um, you know, also by the same, you know, on the other side, like really realizing what, what the difficulties actually are of being like a woman in our modern society. I think I, I spent a lot of time in my life ignoring those kinds of realities and, and blaming those things on other things. So anyway, whatever they are for you, um, that's kind of, those are the particulars of like, my experiences with these feelings, um, worn by all I didn't know, but now I know, um, and kind of feeling like all of these things that I wasn't ready to look at have eaten away at me. And now here I am like aware of it and realizing how far I have to go. Verse two, it's really quite a lot to take. And then the other voice says, just keep breathing to see the line through the choices we don't make who we're cheating. And this line is about, you know, about systemic abuses. Um, it's, it is a lot to take to realize which kinds of abuses you've been complicit in. And of course that's pertinent to the hallowed wide because the whole point is to, you know, have a fuller, better understanding of, of our fellow humans and to feel trust and, you know, to learn to be a, a real ally and to learn to, you know, um, yeah, you guys get it. So, so, you know, this feels, this feels like an important point to highlight. It's a lot to take to see the line through the choices we don't make to, so to see what effects have been made by, you know, being in a position of privilege and not standing up, not doing anything. Um, and also to see the line through, you know, all the times that you allowed yourself to be hurt or all the times that you, um, you know, didn't, weren't ready to look at the things that were hurting you. So, I mean, I just elaborated on my own experience with those things, but you know, those are some, some ways to read that and who we're cheating. So the person who you're cheating might be yourself. The person who you're cheating might be a lot of other people. Um, the third line. So it's really quite a lot to take, just keep breathing to see the line through the choices we don't make who we're cheating. I heard a whisper of the crooked long ago. Now I hear it in stereo things. I didn't want to know, but I had to know. Um, so that I think goes along the same line. Like we hear, we hear these things that, you know, can feel like buzzwords. If you're not ready for a perspective shift, we can hear people talking about vulnerability or empathy or privilege or trauma. Um, and we can think like, well, oh, that's not for me. That's not important to me. And then, you know, sometimes it just, it, those messages start getting so loud that you can't ignore them anymore. But, you know, the, this whole song is about leaving space for the fact that like, it's terrifying to have a world, a, a perspective shift. And it's terrifying to 
sometimes let those kind of truths in. Um, you know, even if what's on the other side is ultimately going to make us much happier, it's just that can be very, very scary. So pre-chorus one, it's enough to think that I could get there, as in it's enough to keep me going. It's, it's enough to motivate me to try. It's enough to think that I could get there. There being like in love and belonging with fellow humans, um, feeling wholeness and wholeheartedness. It's enough to think that I could get there. But today I feel so tired and I can't find the strength to reach. Um, and I think, you know, anyone who's interested in, you know, social justice or, you know, any of these kinds of ideas can relate to that. Like you want to care, you want to give everything you have, but sometimes you feel like you have nothing to give because it's all just, it's all just a lot. Um, then the chorus, sometimes I feel like I'm splitting into like a mountain after an earthquake, like a lover after a heartbreak, a lonely guard at the enemy's gate. Um, my friend, my like dear friend, Jeff, who's like a, like a, like a chosen brother. He's, he's so important to me. He, you'll see him in the Facebook group and, um, you know, around. Um, but he's, he's a, he's a, a soulmate and like a true love of my heart from our, you know, teen years. We've been, I think he would say we've been taking good care of each other in our, throughout our adult lives. Um, but he had asked me to talk more about like the narrative here. Um, uh, especially on the line, a lonely guard at the enemy's gate. Gosh, this is the part that I just wrote while I was out on that walk. It just, it just felt so obvious. Like I feel like I'm splitting into like a mountain after an earthquake. That's so violent. You know, it's like this big, it's not like a, it's not like a beautiful evolution, like a, like a parting of, you know, rose petals for a bloom to come through. It's like, you know, rending, like just a mountain after an earthquake, like a lover after a heartbreak, which is like a different kind of hurt, but such a hurt, a lonely guard at the enemy's gate. Like, I think lots of times these ventures into the hallowed wide, whatever the hallowed wide may be for you, these ventures into the hallowed wide feel so lonely. And we think this would be so much easier if my partner was doing this with me, if my partner was trying to go through this growth with me, if my family, if my friends, if my colleagues, you know, whatever. And it can feel, it can feel so, so lonely. And like you're, you're going into a battlefield completely alone and leaving safety completely alone. Um, but trying so hard to stand up for what you think is right and what you, where your integrity wants to take you and where, you know, your deep wellspring of like humanity wants to take you. Um, so Jeff, I think that's the main thing I was thinking about less, less of a narrative and more just like, you know, the depth of this feeling is like, it's, it's a physical, um, it, it's, it's a, such an all encompassing pain. It's an emotional pain. It's a tender pain. It's a lonely pain. Um, and you know, but it's also like powerful and, um, brave. Then the second line, sometimes I worry about what I could lose. Um, like, you know, hopefully it goes without saying, but like what I could lose if this split happens. Sometimes I worry about what I could lose, like the righteousness of the certain. Like one of the things that I could lose is the righteousness of the certain. Like a beast without a burden. Like the me I knew before I knew better. I love these lines so much. I feel like I didn't write them. I feel like the actual, you know, big magic muse, like whispered them into my ear while I was out on that walk. Um, but I feel so strongly about this, like losing certainty and losing the pride that comes with certainty is devastating and so important and so necessary. Um, that particular kind of faith that accompanies a lack of certainty is absolutely crucial to, for love, in my opinion. And that's, that's what this album's about. So I have lots of thoughts about this and many of like my personal thoughts will be revealed in the second half of the album. And I hope they'll ring true to all of you. Um, but, but this is the point, you know, that's, it's very difficult to lose, um, certainty. It's, it's difficult to, um, 
you know, they say ignorance is bliss and that that's a cliche because it's true. Um, there's an ease in not knowing and not looking at something. Um, but you know, here we are like letting go of the comfort of certainty, adding this incredible burden, um, of knowledge. And then I, I really like this last night, last line. I worry about what I could lose. One of the things that I'll lose is the, the me I knew before I knew better. Uh, my actual self as I knew myself is gone, but it's unequivocal before I knew better. Um, it's clear which direction we have to go in as painful as it is. Okay. Um, second verse or third verse, is this a death or is it change? Um, you know, gosh, I was just talking about this with my in-laws a couple of days ago. I, we did, I did, um, my mother-in-law hosted my, my private students recital. And after packing up, I was sitting and chatting with my in-laws and Andrew wasn't there. So it was just me and my mother and father-in-law talking in the kitchen. And we were talking, I was, I was just talking a little bit about my family. And this is something I, I talk about a bit publicly, but I mean, I, I don't, I feel like I don't talk about it as much as I sometimes feel like I'd really like to, but, um, I went no contact with my dad two years ago. We're estranged and I'm kind of estranged from the rest of the family. And, you know, the way that it feels from my perspective, and I, I just really don't know what my family members think. Cause we have, we have really, we have bad communication problems in our family. Um, and I'm really trying to not have that problem, which is why I'm like talking about it nonstop and writing a whole album about it. Anyway, I digress. Uh, it's all about family, right? It's all about people. But I, the way that it feels from my perspective is I made the decision to go no contact with my dad two years ago. I haven't talked to him in, in about two years and, a, and, and about a month, two years and a month. And, um, you know, over the past two years since I broke contact with my dad, I feel like just one by one, I've been trying to decide which of my extended family members are people that are safe for me to have in my life. And I feel like I've just had my heart broken like again and again and again, realizing that like, you know, different family members aren't trustworthy and, you know, have the same generational traumas that my parents had. And, you know, maybe they're manifesting in different ways. I hope they're manifesting in different ways, but nevertheless, um, you know, that's, that's this kind of heartbreak. Um, and I was talking with my in-laws about how weird it is to experience grief without a death, you know, like, but it feels like a death. Like these changes feel like a death and they feel like grief. And it's this grief that has no, like nowhere to go. We don't have rituals for this kind of grief in our culture. We don't make space for it, but it's so common. I think these are, these are griefs that we have all the time. That was a long diversion, but for this line, is it, is this a death or is it change? And the echo voice says, we can't keep it. It doesn't really matter if it's a death or it's a change because ultimately we just, we can't keep it. So, you know, it's gone. Um, all the ugly habits we had to shake hit the ceiling. What am I, if not a shadow still dancing after the puppet show for every love I've ever known and every love I'll never know. And this line, I get it. It's a little bit cryptic, but it feels so clear to me, you know, when, before we have a paradigm shift, it can feel like we're in a puppet show. It can feel like we're just going through the motions that someone else taught us. Like it feels like life is happening to us instead of that we're happening to life. And I can imagine, you know, a, 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 a puppet show, a shadow puppet show. Um, and then, you know, the puppets are put away and that shadow that's so broken and so fragile is left standing and trying so hard to keep dancing and keep moving. And, and I feel like often that is, that's a feeling that I have, you know, what am I, me, Emily? I don't know how you feel, but I, this I is me. What am I? What am I? If not a shadow, someone who's traumatized, someone who has so much grief, someone who has to go to therapy every Thursday, you know, <laughs> you know, has PTSD. What am I if not a shadow? But God damn it, I am still dancing. <laughs> like I am still creating beauty. I'm still here. I'm still trying. I'm still kicking around, trying to figure out what I can do, trying to have autonomy outside of this, you know, these other powers, whatever they may be in your life. Um, 
for and I and why am I doing it? Why am I why am I like, you know, this this shadow that's just desperately like trying to stay on my own two feet? Well, I do it for every love I've ever known. And that includes the love that I have for my parents and my family. That includes the love that I have had for like my religion. That includes the love that I've had, you know, in in every in every way. Um, I do it for the loves that I still have. I do it for my husband. I do it for my students. I do it for my younger siblings and my siblings-in-law. I do it for my nieces and nephews. I do it for the, you know, great nieces and nephews that I've never met that are not born. You know, I, I, I do it for, for, for anyone, every love I've ever known and every love I'll never know. And my private, you know, feeling about that line is that's the love that I never got from my mom. The, the beautiful, loving relationship with a mother, a beautiful, loving relationship with a father, um, uninhibited relationships with grandparents, with extended family, with ancestry in general. Those are loves that I will never know. I won't get to know those. Um, that's, and that's, and that's also why this work is important. Um, cause you know, maybe it will make some kind of a difference, you know, in the family tree as it continues to grow or in, you know, the adopted family tree, wherever and whoever that may be. Um, and that's, and that's for this whole song. That's what the split is for. That's the, that's the point. We do it for the loves we know and the loves we'll never get to know. Um, the second pre-chorus is almost exactly the same. It's enough to think that I might hold you. And when I, so you'll, you'll see more of this unveiling in the rest of the album, but this particular you that I'm, that I start thinking about in the, at this point and later in the album, as I was writing, I tried to picture like a, a faceless kind of like just a person that any person, anyone in the world can kind of step into and to try to imagine like how precious each and every person is, you know, kind of no matter what they do, like the miracle of life is such that like every person is so precious and the honor and privilege it is to just, you know, be on this planet together and to hold one another in whatever way. Um, it's such a big deal. You know, if it, like, like I can get nihilistic sometimes like we all can, but like the vast majority of the time, I feel like what a fucking miracle it is that we are here together at all. And the idea that even one other person, you know, I, that I could see another person and really fathom that they are a whole person, that they're the main character in their story. It's just, it's, it's a complete miracle. It's, I've never, there's never been anything more magic, more magical, more fantastical than that. So, you know, it's enough to go through all of this grief to think that I might hold you, whoever you are, like any person that there might be like the, the, the sheer idea of closeness, of trust is even in the complete abstract separated from any individual person, just this idea alone of, of closeness, of true understanding, um, and trust between people, between any two people. It's just, it's, it's everything. It's enough to think that I might hold you, but my love, I sometimes fear I'll lose the strength to reach. Um, and, and I really mean that like the, this love is like anyone could be anybody. I'm not thinking of any specific person. Um, and then the chorus just happens a couple more times. Um, the last chorus, I changed a couple of things, um, melodically to bring out different parts of the, uh, the lyrics. Um, and then in the last line, I, I deleted the phrase like a beast. So the last line says, sometimes I worry about what I could lose, like the righteousness of the certain without a burden, like the me I knew before better, just remembering that this idea of certainty, um, it just, it's untenable with, uh, true care and love. I think love has to be flexible and care has to be flexible. 
So Split is almost, it's mostly about the lyrics. I, I did think about the melodies um, in terms of like, like I was saying before, like having a split, you know, in the verses. Um, and, you know, the harmonic rhythm is kind of irregular, which I think, I hope what it makes it feel like is that this song, unlike some of the other songs, is really going somewhere. It's not stagnant. It's not in kind of like a loop. Um, it's really covering ground. And then in the kind of like mythology of the hallowed wide, um, and what happens in the story guide is we, we, we stumble onto this riverbank and fall asleep and look, you know, kind of come to and look down and see ourselves like floating above, um, this kind of like empty self, um, and floating up, you know, across the river, looking back at our at our own body and or this split version of ourself and recognizing that person less and less as we go. And then um, next we have a dream sequence. Oh, my gosh. Who doesn't love a dream sequence? I fucking love a dream sequence. And so I wrote one into this album and it's coming next. So if you love a dream sequence, get ready. This song is like it's special little weird little dream sequence kind of a thing and i cannot wait to get into the make it hallowed portion of this record um all right well let me talk a little bit about the production the choir of voices that you hear is all jed it's a choir of jeds um we didn't put any of my voice in that in those background vocals so like the there's also a choir of jeds in a bitter roots, but my voice is in there too. And on this song, it's just Jed. Um, when Jed sent me the very first like rough draft of this song, like pretty frequently Jed and I will disagree at the beginning and I'll be like, it's not right. It's not right. It's not right. Um, and with this song, like he sent it to me and I was like, fuck yeah, you you got it. Um, I love it so much. Like I didn't really think of this song as a reference when I was writing, but like after hearing the production, it reminds me a lot of Michael Jackson's song, Will You Be There, kind of pop gospel. And I love that too. It's just appropriate that it be reverent, that there be an organ. And, you know, Jed and I didn't really talk about any of these specifics or kind of the um, cosmic, like, you know, universal um, themes like in this song. Uh, but he must have just felt that because the organ is perfect. The choir is perfect. It sounds like it should be, you know, in a cathedral. Um, there is a choir of Emily's in the bridge or in the kind of like after the second chorus. And I wanted to make those feel so transcendent and like holy. And there's a lot of tension and release and like suspensions in the chords. Um, you have to kind of listen for it, but it's there. And then you can also hear another like little production tidbit. You can hear the the split voice in the verses. You can hear it splitting like farther and farther from the lead vocal. So if you're listening to um, the background vocals in like verse three, um, you can hear the you can hear the voices, the, the background voices becoming more and more divergent from the lead and kind of like separating and going their own way. So that was another kind of like little tidbit that we put in there. Um, Split has no real instruments. It's all synthesized and programmed by Jed. And then it has Jed's voice and my voice. And that's all. That's all that's in here. So um, I'm really, really, really proud of this song. It just, it feels it feels just like I meant for it to feel. And I'm so grateful to Jed for um, honoring my song in this way. And also so grateful to Ryan for helping me make a video that also feels like how the song should feel. And it looks like how the song should feel. So um, by the time you're hearing this, the video is out. You can find it on YouTube or on Facebook or on my website. Um, but it's just, if you type like Emily Merrill split into, you know, whatever you're in, you'll find it. Wow. That feel like it went fast to me. I don't know how you guys feel, but gosh, I just, I really have been like, you know, I'm just belaboring this point now, but I have just been feeling a way I've been feeling a certain way. Like, you know, I wrote this album two years ago now and it felt really, really powerful while I was writing it. It felt really powerful while I was making it. And then this experience of releasing it over time is so interesting. Like 
I don't know how it's feeling to you, but it's feeling, it's feeling like a lot of things to me, but it's like this slow reveal and, um, the real, the real meat of the project is in the second half, you know, like the, uh, so far what we've done is the setup, you know, we've entered the hallowed wide, we've started doing the hard work of getting across and like the big, like profound lessons have yet to come. And like the second half of the record is really just, it's so joyful. I can't wait. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I can't wait to talk about it. I feel like it's perfectly timed with summer. It's just, oh, I'm really excited. So as always, thank you from the very bottom of my soul for listening. If you're listening to these words right now, I just, I can't express enough gratitude. It means so much to me you know, I feel like these lessons are hard earned. Um, and my hope, I, I literally was just in therapy, as I told you, and I was telling my therapist, like, you know, I was talking about some of the things that are stressful and some of the things that I've been feeling pressure about. And he was like, well, you know, what, like, why, why do you do this work? Like say, say out loud, like what it's for. And I was talking about, you know, why I teach and what it means to me to be like a band leader and, you know, the, um, the responsibility that I, that I feel toward my fellow musicians and making sure they're being paid well and being treated well and having a good experience, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like all of those things are very important. And then when I was talking about the hallowed wide, you know, the way this feels to me, and, and maybe this is naive of me. Um, I only know what I currently know and I'm 34, so it's not that much. Um, I got a lot of life left to live, but, but, you know, the way that this feels to me is I have learned these lessons through a lot of trauma, like actual trauma and pain and grief. And also I just really believe that like, I, I am supposed to make art, you know, that feels like a, like a gift and kind of like a, um, a responsibility. And I feel like, you know, the combination of these hard lessons that I feel like I've, I've, I have learned so far in my life and the, you know, hard skills that I've worked for, uh, that I've worked to build in music, in storytelling, in creative direction. Um, my hope and my kind of ethos here is that those two things, the experience and the skill set, will allow me to package these lessons in a way that someone else can receive them and not have to suffer for them. Like I, like I did. Um, and again, maybe that sounds naive. Maybe that sounds really trite, but that's what it means to me. That's, that's what this work means to me. So it's, it's beautiful and it's fun and it is pop music. And I know that, um, but these lessons are fucking heartfelt. You know, this, these, these are things that I, that I lay awake at night thinking about, um, that I, you know, search my own soul and search the world, you know, for answers for, and, and I'm doing my best to, to package up the answers and the lessons that I feel like I have learned the truths that I feel like I've discovered and put them into like a beautiful fantasy for you to listen to. So if you are the target audience of that and you're listening and you're receiving that, it just means more to me than I can ever say. Um, and I, I really, I mean that, I mean it so, so real, <laughs> so true. Um, and if you feel like, you know, reaching out and telling me what it means to you, I always want to hear that. Um, I don't know who you are, but I love you. And it's enough to think that I might hold you. You know, I mean that like that you is you, whoever you are. Um, you know, I take my, I take my global family seriously in the ways that I can and that I know how to. And I'm just rambling now, but you know, it's warm, fuzzy rambling. And I hope that you are feeling that. So, okay. We are, okay. I'm just thinking out loud. So when you're hearing this, okay. Yeah. Artifice. This is, this is, we're talking about the hallowed wide, but this is artifice, right? So we still have June. There's a couple more episodes for season five out in June. In a couple of days, I'm recording the last episode of season six and I have never been more excited to release a full season. This is kind of new for me. I um, 
I have kind of curated this season specifically, and I'm not going to start releasing it until all the episodes are recorded. So I can kind of see what the whole season is sort of about in a big picture. And it's really exciting. I'm so excited to tell you more. So stay tuned. There's a couple more um, regular uh, season five interviews for the month of June. And um, I'll be back doing another one of these series talking about the hallowed wide dream sequence. You guys, it's a dream sequence. It sounds like a dream sequence. It feels like a dream sequence. I I can't wait. I've been like up at night just like feeling giddy about, you know, finally being able to get into this portion of the record. Um, okay, Emily, how did you get back to talking about this end? Stop, stop, stop. Artifice. It's going to be awesome. May is going to be great. Season six, which is going to start in... Uh, I can't remember. I think I'm going to take a couple weeks off in July, whatever. It'll be coming soon and it's going to be incredible. The stories coming for you this season, the perspectives, ugh, you're going to lose it. You're going to love it so much. Okay. If you're here and you're not on my mailing list, get on the mailing list. There's so much there. I take it really seriously. I try to make sure it's beautiful and enriching and magical and real. Um, and I would love to see you there. I'm working on putting together a live show. Hopefully we'll be able to start like selling tickets to that soon, an album release. Lots of exciting things are happening. I'd love to hear from you. That's all. The end. Many things coming soon. I love you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.